Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights diverse trendsetters and change agents who are the greatest contemporary thinkers and doers, devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology expert, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in optimal lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where we will be focusing on practicing peace, contemplative rituals for health and happiness. My first guest is my good friend, Agapi Stasinopoulos, who is a best-selling author and speaker who inspires audiences around the world. Agapi trained in London at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, and then Agapi moved on to receive her master's degree in psychology from the University of Santa Monica. She is currently conducting workshops for Thrive Global, a company founded by her sister, Ariana Huffington, to help change the way we work and live. She is the author of her newest book as well, Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You. And my dear friend, who I love and adore, Agapi, is in the house. <laughs> oh, that is so beautiful. Well, Lisa, it is such a gift to be with you. We're both in New York, which is amazing after all these years. Yes. And a virtual hug for you, my darling. And thank you for having me in your Harvesting Happiness podcast, which I love, 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 love. Well, I love that after all these years, we keep getting together and there's always something new. There's always another side of you, Agapi. And as I was explaining, you know, before we started recording this interview, that the last time we actually saw each other in person was at an event where we were both speaking in Malibu. And it became so clear to me in that moment that when you were talking about spirituality and connection to the divine, whatever that looks like, that you would hit the mark, you know, that sweet spot for you. Yes, I know my sweet spot. I don't always live there. (laughs) (laughs) You're human, you're mortal. (laughs) Would be my ideal scene. And I was telling a, a girlfriend of mine today when I was seeing her for breakfast and I said, Uh, You know, what I really want in my life is I just want to be happy. I want to live on this planet and be happy. And when I'm not happy, I'm unhappy for being unhappy. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes. Like I'm very, very attached to my happiness and my joy. It is like I know the sweet spot. I know the place where is joy. And I think part of this pandemic, what this pandemic and this virus and this variant of the virus and they keep showing up in our lives has taught me is can I find my happiness within the restrictions? Can I find my joy within the limitations that life presents to me? Uh, And that is why I really wrote this book, Speaking with Spirit, because when I was in Los Angeles in our home there with my sister Ariana, and my nieces, and we were working. She was working on her company, 
and I was teaching meditation and doing seminars via Zoom, 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 which was very challenging for me because, as you know, I thrive in connection. I thrive in speaking to the public. I thrive in conferences and big gatherings and and being in front of an audience. You know, I was trained as an actress. So being in front of an audience is home to me. You know, it's my home. It's where I, I... open up my heart and I, I don't care if it is 10 people, 12 people, one person, 1,500 people, 2,000 people. I am the same. I speak to the heart of each human being. And that has been something that I developed, but also God given to me. That was my gift. And I discovered it and shared it. And I spoke authentically about my journey. So when we were in lockdown, and we were not able to see our friends go shopping even in the supermarket, uh, go for a cup of coffee. When we were trapped at our homes, I really felt I was, all I can tell you, I was in a straitjacket. <laughs> I was like somebody had tied up my arms and had locked me down. And I kept going deeper into the spirit and, and crying and praying, crying and praying. <laughs> And I would go up and down the street at our home on Carmelina Avenue, where we live, and look at the trees and look at the sky and look at the birds and commune with spirit and say, what can I do? How can I help myself? And what was profound was right there and then the spirit would come in, open up my field of vision and awareness. And I would start to experience the love of God. And as you so beautifully said, is, is God the source? Is God the higher intelligence? Is God the big blob in the sky? Is whatever you call God, which is three letters that define the mystical, the, the awesomeness of our, our universe. So to the listeners, put any description you want there, but let's for the moment call it God. And that energy will come and fill my heart. And the words would then flow out of my mouth. And I dictate a lot of my book. My books, you know, I don't necessarily write in the computer. I dictate it to a human being or I dictate it to my iPhone. And it pours out of me. And then I print it and I start to edit and then, you know, we send it to my editor and then the process of the book starts, which is kind of magical to witness because you see that creation that unfolds. And now I have this book in my hands right now and I go, oh, my God, here it is. <laughs> uh, how, did, how did I do that? You know, and you don't you don't do the whole thing. You just do um you know, one chapter at a time, one paragraph at a time. And it gave me the strength and rediscovering uh, the power of prayer. And I I say in the book uh, over and over again, whatever moves your soul, inspires your awe, and awakens your spirit can be prayer. Yes. I My definition of prayer is not necessarily what you might describe as prayer. But I tell you this, in the moment of my adversities, in the moment of my difficulties, in the moment of 
my angst, my fear, my unknown, if I come into the reverence of my spirit right there and then, if I have this, the mindset to bow down and say, right now I'm having a hard moment, I'm having a hard day. Is it me? Is it my child? Is it my spouse? Is it my colleague? Is it my boss? Is it that I'm working from home? Is it that the traffic is bad and I'm going to be late for an important meeting? It doesn't matter what it is. Is it the virus? Is it that I woke up and I have a sore throat? Whatever it is that I'm facing in the moment, that is when we have the ability to bow down and say, yes, this is a difficult moment, but I'm not alone. The spirit is with me. And right now, right here, I ask that the spirit move with me, move for me, and help me transform this moment so I can go in holding the hand of spirit. And day after day, if we do that, we become mighty. We become giant. We become grounded in a sense of confidence and strength that people can look at you and say, oh my God, how can you be like that? And you go, because the one that walks with me, the invisible one, walks me through my adversities. You know, as you speak, my eyes are closed and and I'm going on the journey that you described with you. And what, what comes to mind is this idea of, you know, the, the, the temple or church or mosque of reverence that you reference is without walls, you know, that it's, it's, exactly. it's within, it's not without. Exactly. And you see, um, all our lives from the moment we're born and, and <laughs> as we grow up and we go to school and, you know, colleges, or we get to work and we get married and we have children and all sorts of things happen in our lives. The walls start to build and we forget. And yeah. basically we just forget who we are. So then we go to retreats and we do hours of yoga or mindfulness or meditation <laughs> and um, and we spend, you know, thousands of dollars or maybe we don't spend any dollars. We go to trips or we don't go to trips, but then we listen to apps and meditations and we and all of the human heart wants remind me who I am. Yeah. Remind me where I came from. Remind me who I am. And there's this great phrase in my book, God is not a being, it is a state of being. God is a state of being. But right now, you and I, Lisa, and our listeners, wherever they are, do not, if you're driving, please do not close your eyes. But you, <laughs> even with your eyes open, you can access, it is an elevated state of consciousness beyond the physical walls, beyond the crust that our bodies build around our souls. And right here, no matter what you're doing, as my mother used to say, you could be washing the dishes and you could be doing the laundry and folding the laundry. You could be walking down the street and, and drinking your coffee. You could be in a garden or you could be in the shower. It doesn't matter where. If you have that state of awareness that right there and then 
spirit is breathing us. And if we shut up, basically, if we shut up (laughs) and you say for that to come through, I must shut off what I call my agapiness personality, you know, or the listeners or the, you know, the ego and, you know, whatever you do during the day and you can do your day from the beingness. It is accessible to every single human being if we choose it, if we choose it. And that's what this book was about. It was like, choose it, my beloved friend, choose it right now, right now, not tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. And be comfortable in the not knowing. Let's take a break, Agapi. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation about speaking with spirit, 52 prayers to guide, inspire, and uplift you. My guest and beloved friend is Agapi Stasinopoulos. You can learn more by visiting wakeuptothejoyofyou.com, on Twitter at Agapi Says, on Facebook, Agapi Stasinopoulos, and on Instagram, Agapi Sees. Here comes the pause, and we'll be right back. Hang on just a second. Before we pause, let's talk about the joys of my guilt-free playtime pleasure. When I've got a few minutes to spare, I love to amuse myself with Best Fiends, my favorite casual mobile game for grown-ups. Best Fiends is the best action-packed brain-boosting puzzle game on the planet. Best Fiends is my go-to digital play pal, and I'm happily hooked. And if you're anything like me, you will be too. I love playing Best Fiends with my kids who are away at school. It's a way for us to connect, blow off some steam, and share some laughs. Not to brag or anything, but I'm strategizing and blazing my way towards level 6,795 and counting. The fun never ends at Best Fiends because there's always fresh content and new challenging adventures to conquer. I pinky swear you'll never be bored or run out of goals to achieve. Don't blame me if you end up kind of obsessed. Need a little digital distraction or some mindful mindlessness? Stress less and play more. Come join me and more than 100 million downloads for a mental pick-me-up. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Now let's go take that pause. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services. And we're back. But before we return to the conversation, think about this. Did you know that only 9% of plastics actually get recycled? That's really wasteful and disappointing, given the effort we're all making to save, sort, and recycle product packaging. If you've been wanting to make more sustainable choices for your home care, beauty, and more, then you need Grove Collaborative for earth-friendly cleaning essentials. Grove carries hundreds of products that replace single-use plastics across your home and personal care routine. And by 2025, Grove will be 100% plastic-free. Grove Co.'s concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles are friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as other leading natural brands. Now's the time to switch to sustainable products for every room in your home. From laundry care to self-care, Grove Co. has got you covered with safe formulas and earth-friendly packaging that deliver a greener clean without compromising performance. For years, I've been a subscriber to Grove Collaborative for all my eco-friendly household needs. Right now, I'm saving 
bring the delicious smell of Grove Co's lavender and rosemary scented ultra concentrated liquid laundry detergent that makes our clothes smell like a daily spa experience. Join me in more than 2 million households who trust Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. Go to grove.com slash happiness today to get a free gift set worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com slash happiness. Grove.com slash happiness. Now let's get back to it. And we're back, continuing the conversation with my friend Agapi Stasinopoulos. We're talking about practicing peace, contemplative rituals for health and happiness. Let's get back to the conversation. So Agapi, you know, you and I were kidding with each other during the break about you being the mere mortal that, yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah. practices what comes through you, in particular with this book that you've written, Speaking with Spirit. And I wanted to talk about the holiness of the moment. Yes. Oh, that is so, so beautiful. Well, everything happens in the moment, Lisa. We're born in the moment, we die in the moment, we live in the moment, but our mind and our thoughts and our emotions and our uh, complex uh, unconscious, which flood us with all sorts of memories and and wants and uh, anxieties and worries. And I mean... I was thinking the other day, a friend of mine said, what do you think is the thing we're all plagued for? And I said, fear, yeah. fear, 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 fear. We're all afraid. And even if we are, and, and look at this particular pandemic and the virus and what's happening in our world globally, globally, no one is exempt. I mean, if humanity is, doesn't gather and feel our oneness now, I don't know when we will ever feel it because there is no single ethnicity, religion, age, or uh, there is no discrimination. I mean, this virus is hitting every single country yeah. and every single human being. And so something unseen, something uh, we do not understand is uh, we become extremely vulnerable and, and extremely fearful. So it is more imperative that we we gather our forces for ourselves and for each other and make this moment holy and we don't know who will be uh, the hero in our journey i mean hopefully each one of us will be the hero in the journey but um maybe there'll be a new scientists that will come out of these people who will develop ammunition for this virus who other than the vaccine and as they're coming that we will be able to recognize that humanity is not invincible, that human beings, are the only force that we have is loving and the spirit. Because I believe that with forgiveness, with loving, with no judgments, with acceptance, we can overcome the fear, we can overcome the resistances, and we can surrender to it so that we don't live in this compression of, of fear. Because what fear does, it shuts us off. It shuts off your wisdom. Yeah. If you're afraid, you cannot hear your wisdom. And in, if right now, if you're home, take a piece of paper and take a pen and say, Spirit speaks to me now. And ask Spirit to reveal to you 
what do you need to hear? I have this exercise. I have yellow pads next to my desk all the time. And I can just say, Spirit, speak to me. And I listen. And Spirit says, go out for a walk. Break the energy. Spirit will say, have a glass of water. Spirit might say, ask your friend Lisa about this. And ask and call you and say, Lisa, can you help me about this? Spirit might say, your friend Joan needs help. Call her. Spirit might say, shut up right now. And let me be with you and take a minute. You know, it is in the sacred heavens, in the middle of our day, we don't have to go to the retreats. I mean, it's nice if you want to go, but make a practice at your home in your day to stop, stop. To be. It is so hard because when you be with us, you also have to be with all the things that are uncomfortable. When you be, you be with your fear, with your jealousy, with your, uh, how am I going to meet the bills? My, my hot water is shut off. Uh, the other day, we live in a building with the elevator. The, the doorman said, I'm sorry, but the elevator isn't working. Well, we are on the sixth floor. That's okay. The people who are on the 12th floor, they had to go up and down or stay in there. For the whole day, the elevator was shut off because they're working on it. I mean, it's a little thing, but right there and then, can you... Stop there. There is a beautiful story of a monk who is on a retreat and he's praying to God and says, dear God, what can I do to serve you more? What can I do to serve you more? And he's asking insistently, he says, could I feed the poor? Could I massage the feet? Could I plant more trees in the garden? Could I go to and be a missionary in another state? And he hears his inner voice says, shut up and let me love you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I mean, that is, and, and, and we forget, Lisa, I forget, you forget, but guess what? I can call you in the middle of your day, and we have the power, not text, not email, but I can call you or I can FaceTime you and say, Lisa, my darling, it's Agape. Shut up and let me love you. Let's have a moment. Yeah. What a beautiful practice, you know, like one, two minutes to just be and commune with another yes, person. And exactly. Because God has asked to remind each other who we are. I mean, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the trap of this world. You can't see God, but you can see Lisa and you can see you in the mirror and you go, who made my eyes? Yeah. Who made my hair? Who's giving me breath? I mean, I, you can see I get so passionate talking about it because people said to me, this woman was going, lost her job. Her husband left her. I mean, I'm sorry, her boyfriend actually left her after seven years. Her mother was very sick. And she said to me, I'm having such a hard time. And I said, do you pray? And she said, Agape, who should I pray to? I said, pray to your 36 trillion cells that are making you right now that you cannot see. Pray to them because there's got to be some intelligence who is moving you, making you, made your bones, made your veins, made this miracle of this body. That intelligence lives in you as you evoke it. Let us pray. And I took a hand and I said, let us pray. And we started to pray. And I said, for my dear friend Jennifer, 
I asked that she be flooded with the knowing of the spirit in her. I felt like the preacher, you know, in the middle of our living room. After dinner, she was confessing to me and I was praying for her and the spirit opened up and she said, oh my God, nobody has ever done that for me before. This is the power that each one of us has. We don't believe it, but what I say is, listen, fake it till you make it. And there are people who pray a lot and they say to me, oh, you're telling about prayer. I pray all the time. So I'm not saying that there are no people who love to pray and, and, and they pray at church or they pray at synagogue or they pray at the uh, Buddhist monasteries. It doesn't matter. And they are the devoted ones. But I wanted to address this also for the people who doubt. Yes, or the, the, the skeptics. Say, well, I know that it's God. Yeah, or I, she's sort of like, I know there's God, but I don't know if, there, if, if, if the energy is there for me. You know, I know there is something, but I don't know what it is. And I don't, I don't really know how to pray or I don't know how to do it or I don't know who to do it to. And it's sort of like you sort of know, but you're so busy doing your life that you, you forgot that that energy can be there with you, supporting you, opening the doors, finding solutions, answers. I speak in the preface about my mother. My mother was not a religious woman, but she was anchored in her spirituality and in her magnificence of creating possibilities for her daughters. Yes. Thin air. And, in- I, and, and when you read the book, which I hope uh, everyone will read, you will be in awe of what my mother did from a one bedroom apartment to us and wish to take my sister Ariana to Cambridge and me at the Royal Academy. And with very, very little means because she had this generosity, this trust to life. Yeah. Trust and life. We are nearly out of time. And I know that you have a, a piece that you wanted to read. And I would love for you to share it with the audience before we go. I have so many pieces I want to read. <laughs> so you'll come back and hang out again. <laughs> Can I come back and hang out you, again? Always. I mean, always. I just, there's so much to say. And uh, please email me at agapi at unbindingtheheart.com. I will send you some of my meditations as my gift. You can follow me, on, as Lisa said, on Instagram and uh, Agapi Sees. And there you will see all the wonderful things that I do to help um, lift each other up. Yeah. So here we are. It's called Coming Home. This is an invitation to move in with yourself. I used to be so lonely, lonely at my house, lonely when I got back to sleep, lonely when I was alone. When I was with people, I was never lonely, but when by myself, loneliness would hit my home. And then one day I heard a voice, why don't you move in? I live alone too. You would like it here. Move in with me. I looked around and it was me talking to me. My house was empty. Wow, I said, I left that beautiful place a long time ago, going out looking for others to fill my home and left my house empty. Move in, move in with me. You would like it here. You'll never have to pay rent. I'll never evict you. You'll be my honored guest. I know you, your likes, your dislikes, your little quintessential idiosyncrasies. I know you. I will treat you nice and kind and give you lots of space. Move in. Come, move in with me. 
I looked into my eyes, my heart, and saw their love for me. I surrendered. I opened the door and I moved in into my empty house that I had left a long time ago. It was exactly as I left it. It had just missed me. I moved in and I never left. I never felt alone anymore. For my house filled with love once I accepted such a kind, tender invitation. Mm-hmm. Agape Stasinopoulos comes home to herself. <laughs> That's right. With a wish and a home that each one of us will move in with yourself and you'll open your arms and take you in. Every meditation I do, I say to people, open your arms, hug yourself, and take you in. Have a moment with yourself where you feel the mighty energy of spirit and your child self and your adult self and your high self. They all merge and you say, hey, we are a family. I'm moving in with me. (laughs) Please go buy the book. Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You and Those That You Know and Love. You can gift it forward. That would also be an act of love. My guest today has been Agapi Stasinopoulos. You can learn more about Agapi and her work by visiting wakeuptothejoyofyou.com, on Twitter at Agapi Says, on Facebook at Agapi Stasinopoulos, and on Instagram, Agapi Sees. Agapi, here is a huge hug for you. Mm. Oh, my darling. Thank you so much. Here comes that quick pause. We'll be right back. Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. Continuing the conversation about practicing peace, contemplative rituals for health and happiness, my next guest is Dr. Valentina Onasor. Dr. Onasor specializes in family medicine where she integrates various systems of alternative medicine into her practice. She's committed to consciousness awakening related sciences for more than two decades and a pioneer of quantum integrative medicine. Valentina also teaches yoga and meditation. And she's back in the house to talk about quantum integrative medicine. But I also want to, Valentina, talk a little bit about the spiritual practice and how that plays into our healing. Hello, dear Lisa. Hi, everybody. I'm very happy to be back with you. Yes, of course, now everybody should be interested, if not now, then when, in uh, healing, right? Exactly. Yeah, the time, you can say it's ripe for integrative medicine uh, because uh, post-materialists, you know, including these avant-garde medical doctors, you talk about integrative medicine in context of holistic health of our body, right? And there is, of course, acceptance of the idea that mind matters, love matters in the consideration of health and healing. But, of course, there is no viable new theory of the mind or of love different from what materials things, mind, you know? 
So uh, they say that love, all, all, all are happy phenomena of matter, and you have no role to play. So then there are several new discoveries, which are great to, to look upon, you know, when we think of health and healing. And the most crucial one would come from quantum physics, which says the conscious, that consciousness is the ground of all being, all our experiences. And uh, all science must be based on this primacy of consciousness, right? So why is this important? Because modern allopathic medicine is mechanical, totally objective. Even in the holistic extension of modern medicine, people try to maintain this objectivity. And the quantum worldview is saying that this is a myopic view, you know? You know, your doctor's subjectivity counts too in matters of health and healing. And we start from here, you know. And then, of course, you, you know very well, Lisa, besides this uh, biochemical body, we also have a bioelectric body, for example, the skin, which is sensitive to what we call feelings. And then there are all kinds of measurements of this biofield, which enable us to measure feelings, all these experiences, even if they are subjective, they are real and measurable albeit indirectly, right? And they show the scientific viability of the idea that we have also a non-physical vital body, which is associated with the physical. And actually, that's where we have to look upon also when we speak about immunity. Nowadays, you have the COVID situation, of course. We have many other situations. It's also a mind infection, the way I see that, which, mm, uh, of course... It's a mind infection. Levels. I love that. <laughs> So this is the reality, you know, so much anxiety and, and so many things which are like showing where we are as humanity, you know. Then, of course, the lifestyle, of course, matters. Lifestyle includes what I said, taking care of the mind, learning to have um, what is called mental hygiene, you know. So but again, lifestyle matters as much as or even more than disease that that we catch through injuries and bacteria and viruses now that we practice good hygiene nowadays you know so we wash our hands but with what we do with what's happening in the background of our minds we keep watching negative uh, this all these negative messages that come from media right for example so what do we do about about those kind of, you have to learn how to do that kind of hygiene, you know, and this uh, negative emotional stress, which is causing various chronic disease. And then, of course, you have to think about what is this positive emotions? What is the meaning and purpose of life, which actually would lead to health and will improve the longevity, right? So it's many points. And also, for example, that we have little brains in the body areas of the heart, you know, is discovered by the Heart Math Institute, as well of the navel. Yes. So we are, I mean, you know, so also we have the brain in the brain, but how, how much are we using of that? The quantum science is really talking about all these possibilities that are there. We are sitting on a mine of diamond, but how much are we using of that? You know, there is really a self-identity in all these Exactly like what I mentioned in these three areas of the body and all these creative experiences of feeling in these areas are positive, such as self-worth at the navel area, you know, self-respect also, and love at the heart level, you know, and this positivity is very, very important for health and healing. When we talk about the dis-ease that many people around the world are feeling today, right? It's there's the dis-ease of the mind, the dis-ease of the body, the dis-ease with life, you know, the environment in which we live, a patient comes to you and says, you know, I just, I feel sick in these areas, maybe without even having a real affliction. How do you counsel them to tend and heal? 
Yeah, it's it's very good when somebody realizes that something is wrong with them, you know, even before getting to a very serious point, you know. And uh, of course, now it's also about the doctor. The doctor, the relation between doctor and patient has, it's very tremendous, you know, because uh, indeed all that we have, you know, so we really have all of us the potential and the capacity to heal ourselves. But sometimes we may need to get an inspiration. And that's why we go to a doctor, you know, first of all, you know, to a very good doctor, you will get this feeling of inspiration. You will feel that you can do it kind of, you know, but then also that doctor has to have worked with himself or herself, you know, and the more he has worked with his, of course, the more also he's experienced, the more he knows things, but also the more he's transformed, then he will see what is the problem, where is that blockage, at what level, you know, because again, as I said, most of the times the problem is not just in the physical body, you know, and you have to know where to look for it. And then you have to create this very important relation, we call it tangle hierarchy with the patient, right? Where you are also growing as a doctor together with the patient coming in front of you. You know, so it's a very, very special related relation that is there. And then again, you that patient is, is he feels like he has wings after coming to you. And then he's also dedicated to transform and heal through that disease because diseases and sufferances, they also come as messages of transformation. It's not necessarily something that you want to just kick out of your life immediately. You have to see what is that message. You have to have the maturity to look into that. You know? In particular, I want to go back to something you said about the, the doctor, you know, that has the doctor done the work? Has the doctor transformed him or herself? And when we contrast and compare a Western approach to health and healing versus this integrative holistic approach to health and healing, the classic uh, doctor training or medical education does not really bring this other element into it. You know, the intuitive healer, the artful healer, you know, channeling these other parts of self. Yes. And that's why, uh, the ha- I mean, I'm so happy that we finally wrote this book on integrative medicine with Amit, with Professor Amit Goswami. And uh, indeed, conventional medicine is generally evidence-based, but that is not a virtue. Yeah, The spirit of science, which is the exploration of truth, you know, demands that we have both theory and experiment to build the science. Yeah, And the only theory conventional medicine can claim is the germ theory. Yeah. <laughs> Alternative medicine system are based each on individual metaphysics and theories are not entirely scientific. So that's why we propose this genuine science of medicine with both theory and experimental wings. You will be happy to read this book when it's out. Yeah? And there was attempts to integrate the two systems, you know, well, read quant- The Quantum Doctor, which was written, I think, in 2004 by Amit. And uh, but that was uh, still limited uh, understanding of health issues, you know, and uh, some of the data was not even there. So now you will see there is a lot of revelation of new data, which helped uh, a lot in improving this earlier effort, you know, and to give this viable integrative medicine, which is actually a downright a call for transformation for both healers, patients, you know, and indeed the entire healthcare industry, you know. So it's a call for transformation from a disease-oriented mindset to an emphasis on well-being and prevention. So it's like also a call for an integrative approach to health using this proper science, you know, and also a call for 
a change in the attitude that we are born with fixed system of physiology that cannot be further improved. That's another thing, you know, and also call of transformation for transformation as well from a mechanistic job orientation for healers, you know, let's just make money to a transformative orientation. And it's also actually, it's really a call for political activism from inside the healing profession against this big pharma and professional organizations that provided support. So now I said it. I was going to add that really the, the call to action is transformational, not only for the self as the individual, but it does transform our communities and, and our, our environment, our planet, our world. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it takes courage, you know, Lisa, not many people have this courage today, but it has to come. Well, many years ago, I have a, a friend of mine who's a, a doctor and he says, you know, the fix is really not in the prescription pad. You know, it's not in writing the prescriptions for pharmacology. The real fix is, is comes from a much deeper place. Yes, it can help with symptoms. It can help prolong life. It can help be curative in certain ways. But ultimately, if we're not paying attention to this lifestyle or these, all these domains of well-being, right? The physical, the emotional, the intellectual, environmental, spiritual, et cetera, et cetera. We can't help ourselves have a balanced life, a healthy life. There are holes in between all these other bodies that we are not aware of, you know. And of course, we are all interested in health and healing, in this uh, physical well-being, especially because that's what most people know, yeah. But okay, they know about a bit about the mental also. But and so we search for it when we don't have it, you know. When we are hit by disease, that's the thing. So the idea is to start searching for these questions and answers, not when we are sick only, you know, because then our uh, uh, powers may be limited, you know, our capacities. But still, when you see that there's this sharp division of medicine, these two camps, you know, conventional and alternative, it's difficult to choose the proper healing method when you need it, you know. So then you ask yourself, what criteria should we use for such a choice, you know, and what combination of healing techniques, you know, better than one individual technique. That's what I'm saying. So a proper doctor should be really not just trained with knowledge, you know, but also with uh, transformation, real transformation. And uh, then, then you will know what to do to maintain your health, to prevent disease in the first place. So actually what we talk about, it's a preventive medicine, you know, and can we heal ourselves without any physical or chemical instruments of healing? That's another thing, you know, but if we don't have a proper science of medicine, the answers to such questions, of course, depends on whom you're asking, right? Yes. So many stories, you know, of spontaneous healing, of cancer and other serious. But uh, the thing is that we live in such a pessimistic system that we are even wondering, they are true, you know? Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Valentina Anasor. To learn more about her work, along with the work of Dr. Amit Goswami, please visit amitgoswami.org. On Instagram, you can find Valentina at Valentina underscore Anasor. Here comes the pause. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book, are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, a boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness, is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, 
with Lisa's documentary film, H-Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more. Continuing the conversation with Dr. Valentina Onasor, we're talking about practicing peace, contemplative rituals for health and happiness. Let's get back to it. So, Valentina, I would love to talk a little bit about your practice and and your studies and your transformation, because you started your medical career as a family doctor and and then have expanded from there over the years. Right. And uh, it expanded actually so beautiful. So I, uh, my father and my mother also, they, they were both uh, doctors and uh, specialized in various areas. And I had this inspiration in my life to start with, you know. But then at the same time, I was very, very passionate about the, the spiritual side, you know. So I was so much pulled into this Christian tradition that I was born in initially. And then uh, when I was 18, I started to practice yoga and uh, I had, was very lucky to to find a wonderful system which put me in touch with the deepest essence of yoga, not just in a physical way, you know, and also with the Buddhism tradition I studied and the Tibetan practices and all that. So I was just mixing all these things together with the medical studies, the allopathic way. And at the same time, I also started to practice and learn about Ayurveda and about acupuncture. So I was really born like that, I have to say. I was born passionate to find out what is with this life, you know, how can people be healthy, happy in every way, you know. And then, of course, I had my own experiences, even through disease and even sufferance. So I kind of like I learned so much on my skin, I have to say. And that's why, yeah, I feel like I can uh, say some things and uh, I'm happy when I can help the people coming to me. Nowadays, it's more as a teacher but uh, also like when I can, I'm still taking patience here and there because it's fulfilling me. You know? yes. <laughs> so it's kind of I have to fulfill all these levels uh, in my life. And one of them is being a doctor, uh, which from where to, to start, you know, guide me a little bit. Well, I'm interested about educating our listeners what lifestyle and habits we should be seeking to adopt. I mean, we think we all know, you know, we we should eat well, we should sleep well, we should exercise well, we should practice good mental hygiene. But the question becomes how and where to start, because when you look at it, like it's, it feels so huge, right? So what are, are some simple steps that we can take to lead us down that path to a more healthy, um, easeful life? All right, then I will uh, start with something which seems very simple, but it is essential to understand. So I'll try to give it in a simple way. And again, even if it's very simple, it's maybe too simple for the mind. Usually mind doesn't like simple things. (laughs) That's so true. From the beginning. So what I want to say is that you need to pay attention to what is called mental hygiene. Mental hygiene means that in the morning you're not jumping on your phone You're not jumping on doing, I don't know what, you stay with yourself, you know, for 10 minutes. For example, you can pay attention to your breathing, 
simply witnessing the breathing will bring you in the here and now, you know, in the body, the breathing and the body is happening just here and now. And that's the point that we need to get to in order to start anything, you know, even a healthy conversation with the person starts from there, you know, if not, you're just in all this trap of your uh, minds and the thoughts, which are just one after the other, you know, it's like a never ending uh, trap there. And again, in the evening, the same, because when we sleep, it's just another state of consciousness there, you know, you don't want to miss that. There are so many messages coming from the, from the consciousness you know for us because again we just need to make one step and the universe is coming towards us you know it's truly we are not alone you may feel if you're in the process of disease or sufferance and i was there that you are alone you may feel that you don't deserve and i don't know what it's not like that but again you have to understand for example that there is evidence about this fact which i also i didn't know initially uh, that the negative emotional brain circuits exist in our brain they are embedded there and that's why we are five times more sensitive to these negative things than to the positive ones and it is our duty to start creating the positive ones you know working with forgiveness working you know of course love is the most powerful remedies, which in the same time is the dynamite for the ego and all that. But again, think expansion consciousness. Try to see what in your life is contracting you, what is expanding you. All right. So a lifestyle in which negative emotions stress dominates means illness. And one in which positive emotions dominate means wellness, simple as that, you know. And then you ask, like, wouldn't it be nice to just really have a health science that takes account of these experiences, you know? And again, they are measurable. So again, what we feel, of course, is energy, which is traditionally called prana in India, you know, uh, chi in China. It's such a extensively studied domain, vital energy in English. So vital energy is a measurable quantity. When you prefer, you choose actually unconsciously or consciously, but you're choosing the states of fear, which is contracting you versus the state of courage or love, which is expanding you. So it's not that we are helpless, you know, it's just these small minds and that things that we don't know of, you know, yeah. which are just playing with us. I have a friend who has gone through cancer treatment in the last year and her doctors don't understand completely how she's able to heal herself. She had a surgery that removed a cancerous growth. She went through chemotherapy, but for all intents and purposes, she was told this is something that could come back. She really discovered for herself where her, her power lied in her healing process. And I have to say has, has cured herself. It's, it's quite miraculous through, through everything that you describe. Yes. And I know many people, you know, which did their processes and what happens to all these people. I had also many patients, especially with cancer. And what happens with all these people is one thing after each going through their process, you know, all of them, they transformed their lives, you know, so they were different people and they were all grateful for life in such a different way than before, you know, because kind of when we are healthy or relative healthy, we just take everything for granted, you know, so many things that we take for granted. We have two hands, we have two feet, two eyes, you know, all that. We just take it from, we have a relationship with love. We take it for granted what we do. You know, we live, we live in this era of consumerism and we don't see what we have. And then when we don't see what we have, of course, eventually maybe we miss it because come on, it's there, you know, so yes. what are we doing? That? And of course, as I said initially, so uh, conventional medicine sees our physiology as something fixed, 
that you cannot change and is not true. You know, there is a lot of evidence that our physiology is not fixed and the organs can be awakened to pick up additional functions of positivity, you know. So imagine we could uh, learn to cultivate this, you know. How beneficial is that to our health as a preventive measure, you know. And then you see how cancer can be prevented by waking up your heart, for example, you know. And heart disease, not to mention, you know, or type 2 diabetes can be prevented by awakening the navel chakra and creating a new stabilized pancreas, you know, not to speak about Alzheimer. Look what's happening, Lisa. So many people, they are getting Alzheimer nowadays. Yes, yes a lot. Five years old, you know, so before it was like 70. And now it's low. I wonder, wondering why, you know, because people, we live in this world without meaning. We, we lost, we are so much only in this uh, information processing rather than the meaning processing. But again, Alzheimer can be prevented by awakening the brow chakra to be curious, even at an older age. You yes. Know? New era of healthcare will begin. And yeah, we need to celebrate that eventually. Yeah. Which leads me to the connection between spirituality and our healing. We're almost out of time, but I think this is an often overlooked component. And I know that when we reference this, we're not really talking about religion, although for some people it might be religious. But the, the, the spiritual element, I think, is key. Yes, of course it is. I mean, if you're cutting that connect, that it's you're cutting the ultimate, the thing which is the first to heal you, you know. It's so so such a beautiful subject here, you know, uh, because, again, so when uh, you are uh, dismissing that level, you know, that and we, we have five bodies of consciousness, right? And when we say quantum healing, you know, quantum, quantum, all this, it's coming from a leap towards the supramental level, you know. So whether you call it prayer or spontaneous healing, you know, there are so many cases of spontaneous healing, you know, so many people having uh, even uh, near that experiences and they come back and what they say, they talk about that white, bright light, yeah, which empowered them tremendously, which uh, somehow they came back complete, right? And with the message, with a very, very strong message of transformation for them, for the world, you know. So it's so interesting how, I mean, the same thing, what's happening, I'm telling you from the Bardo tradition, it's a very strong connection with what's happening after after one dies, yeah? And uh, the thing is that that strong light is the first thing that we encounter. So it's so interesting to even contemplate all this. If you call it the, call it quantum consciousness, call it God, you know, so whatever name you give it, you know, it's such a compassion, so much love that exists. And to stay away from that is the biggest mistake one can do, you know. And then you ask yourself, how, why do you keep yourself in a state of uh, unhappiness or in a state of disease or in a state of separation from all that power that is there with you, in you, through you? So it's embedding everything, you know. And then again, so whether you do it through prayer, you know, or whether you do it what we have um, in the quantum science, we have uh, the creative process, which is a big subject to discuss with. You know, but we can really do it in a, I mean, of course, the first of all is to, to have this real intent to heal, you know, because there are so many people which don't even know how to, you know, they don't even have this clear intent there, you know, and of course, like if you have this monkey mind, you're dominated by that only, you <laughs> have the power 
create this intent truly. And then to have the pure strong intent, 70% of the problem is done, you know? In the same time, check what are, what are the resonances, you know, what led to that disease or sufferance in the first place, you know? Make a journal. I'm, I'm, when I work with people I work, they all of them, they have to make their journal and write there, first of all, what is contracting, what is expanding, then witnessing what's happening there in the background because it's not so complicated. You just have to really want, you know, and to understand and to start loving yourself maybe, you know. So mm. there are ways to start with, but again, we it goes there. So it's in the same way, prayer or um, working through the quantum creativity process towards quantum healing, all these things are at our hands, you know. And love is part of this spiritual practice. You know, the, the idea that we can supply unconditional love for ourselves, for others, for our bodies, I think what I'm hearing you say is this too is part of the spiritual practice. Yes, it is. It is totally, of course. I mean, we have in our uh, in our school, the university that we have created, we always do theory and practice. And as practice, of course, like one of them is going into states of deep, deep meditation, whether it is to prayer or to sacred mantras or simply silence meditation. But the idea is to be able to boldly recognize the healing power of consciousness, you know? Again, call it God, you know? If you don't like the word God, okay, quantum consciousness. Or is <laughs> call it downward causation with freedom to choose, you know? We forgot that we have the freedom to choose and we don't use that, you know? But the consciousness has the requisite wisdom in the supramental compartment, as I mentioned. And also it has the mechanism to choose a new context for, for example, mental processing of emotions, you know, because again, the blockage can be many, many times in the emotions, of course, right? And also it has the power to discover what is needed to make that quantum leap of inside, as we call it. It's one of the steps. And then it can manifest this inside by unblocking the vital feeling there, the affected chakra. You know, we speak about chakras and we relate the chakras to the problems that can be there, you know. So in this way, you unblock the movement, you know, of the associated vital blueprints, how it's called, you know. And then you can even revive a correlated physical organ with mm. a proper function, you know. So imagine the spontaneous healing of cancer, which can be due to the sudden onset of such a dynamic surge in the immune system activity that the cancerous growth is destroyed within days, sometimes even within hours. Okay, but the point is to go and continue with what we call manifestation, you know, implementation, another eye, you know, there. So the point is to really go through, to have the courage to change your life, to embody that, that, uh, what came to you there, you know, but again, without putting God into the process here, we stop, you know, because after uh, we put all these wonderful principles there, we are lacking the aspiration to put them into motion, to make it happen. So you understand what the problem is, is not enough. And, you know, so then how to make it happen? So that's why you have to go through the spiritual level. That's mandatory. We are out of time. Dr. <laughs> Valentina Anasor, you have to come back and hang out with me because I love our conversations and I love how they pro certainly provoke me to think about more domains seen and unseen that we can tap into to support our health, well-being, vitality and happiness. Take your monkey mind, your curious monkey mind over to amitgoswami.org to learn about what they're doing at the university. You can connect with Valentina Onasor on Instagram at Valentina underscore Onasor. I want to give you a big hug. Right now you're in Romania. I'm in the U.S., but I'm sending you a big hug. 
Thank you, Lisa. It's so wonderful to be with you every time. Likewise. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and on behalf of my guests, Agapi Stasinopoulos and Dr. Valentina Onasor, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Please go out and rock your day, and remember to be kind to one another. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere. From the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio. KBUU-RadioMalibu.net and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.